Where do you find the courage to lead? Is it hidden in the place where you store your passion to succeed? How do you push past fear? Do you simply keep the faith and hope to persevere? Why not stand in that fear, embrace it, turn it into motivation, face it? We need leaders and politicians who are willing to take the leap, to do it while afraid, enough with the sheep. There's no time to waste. Our communities are dying. A choice needs to be made. There's no denying. Why do we keep waiting for someone else to come save us while we suffer the side effects of leadership hiatus? Who would be more qualified to lead us than one of us? We must unite and reignite for us, by us, all black everything, black gluttonous. Who would have more empathy and concern for us than one of us? Hence, we must unify our voices and be thunderous. So we must put fear and self-doubt to the side and just step up. Who said that our leaders and politicians can't descend from our neighborhoods? Step up. Who said for the people, by the people is dead? Step up. To hell with qualifications. Step up. The hell with past infractions. Step up. Nowadays, everyone's a hustler of some sort with an airtight plan to succeed, but no courage to lead. Step up. And where do you find the courage to lead? How do you push past fear? You stand in it. Embrace it. Turn it into motivation and face it. Believe me, the best part of waking up is not Folgers in your cup. It's realizing that you have the power to save yourself and your community. All you need to do is realize it and step up. Welcome to Melanated Conversations. Our narrative and our perspective. Here on the podcast, we are amplifying the voices of Black women and sharing their powerful stories of transformation. I'm Tarian. And I'm Yana. Let's start the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Melanated Conversations. I am your co-host, Yana. And I am your co-host, Tarian. Yes, welcome back, you guys. We are so excited to bring you another phenomenal being. We are chatting today with Commissioner Christina Romulus. She is going to share about her journey into politics. And for all of you who you may be bit by the politics, but the one and kind of get into the political sphere and government life, we are going to chat a lot about that today. So Without any further ado, let's welcome Christina. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, ladies, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Hey, Yana. Hey, Terry. Love this podcast. Love what you guys do. Your conversations are so dope always. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. We appreciate that. That's like the ultimate compliment (laughs) that you want to talk to us. So yes, we're excited to have this chat today. Well, we'd like to kick things off with a game. We always like to play a little game before we start into our chat. So are you open to play a little round with us? See, this is why I knew I, want, I was going to have fun coming out to this podcast. Let's do it. 
Oh, okay. well, right. I like it. No, that's, 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 that's what we like to hear. Yeah, I don't know if you know, but Terry and I are our first cousins. So in our family, oh, oh well, look, look, oh, <laughs> but but in our family, we like to play. So yes, so you you already then then captured our heart. So come on, Terry, kickstart us. Throw out the question. I know oh, you got a good one. Play around and don't drop the mic. Although it's really just one that thing. But anyway, so I'm gonna give you. Four options. We're going to go breakfast round. You have to pick one that has to go forever. Okay. Mm. We're foodies. We like food around here. So I'm going to give you some options. Are you ready, Christina? I'm ready. All right. Waffles, cinnamon bun, French toast, or pancakes? Cinnamon bun, bye. It can, it can go. Oh, you, you said <laughs> you no. Have to think about it. Why cinnamon bun? I don't care much for it, but waffles are so diverse. You can have chicken and waffles, pancakes. You can have it with everything. Bacon and pancakes, my favorite Saturday Mm -hmm. morning breakfast. French toast. Oh, that's my heart right there. So yeah, cinnamon bun, that that can go. I I have no affinity towards that. I'm good. (laughs) Okay. Yana, what about you? Okay. You said pancakes. Waffles, cinnamon bun, French toast, or pancakes. Oh. Why'd you have to throw a food one? You know, <laughs> I don't know my relationship with food. I don't let anything go. I'm probably going to have to go with Cinnabon as well. I ain't having to have to let go of Cinnabon itself. Like, <laughs> forever. Forever. This? My hips probably thank me for letting them go forever. But yeah, I'm going to have to go with Cinnabon. <laughs> Okay, I guess we're three and oh, buy cinnamon bun. That was yeah. I I love waffles. I love pancakes. Yes, French toast is top tier. Cinnamon bun. Yes. <laughs> and my thing is, if I'm gonna eat a cinnamon bun, I really can only eat a cinnamon bun one way, and it's got to exactly. be exactly piping hot, ooey gooey. With the you know the icing and everything running off the right. off the top, and it gotta be that little center because exactly I don't want it. I don't want it. So <laughs> buy cinnamon bun. Okay, yeah. that one. Let's play one more round. Can we play one more round? Yeah. Yes. I promise. I promise. Okay. So <laughs> we're gonna eliminate a king of comedy. <gasps> oh, oh no! <laughs> we're gonna eliminate a king of comedy. Just oh, to kill it. Like the kings of comedy, we're about to eliminate a king. I know of what you're saying. I was just trying to like That's it. Barney Mack, D.L. Hughley, Cedric the Entertainer, Steve Harvey. So if we let one of them go forever, that means all their work. Or are we talking about just the king of comedy in the series? No, that all of their work, they have to go. Can we go back to the food question? (laughs) (laughs) Man, this one's hard. Oh, dang. Okay. Listen, I love Bernie Mac. I cried when he passed away. So he stays forever. He is a legend in my book. Okay. Let's put DL on on pause. Who was the third one? Uh, DL Hughley. Cedric the Entertainer and Steve Harvey. (laughs) You gotta have Steve. (laughs) You gotta have Steve. 
just to make sure, you know, when you have a Miss America pageant, you know, you'll have a good laugh. <laughs> that is true. You're right about I that. Think about all the show. Cause I'm thinking about all of them in their, in their like sitcoms okay, and sitcom. everything. Like, right. Yeah. And who they've, you know, like people they've actually brought on. So it's, that's right. a, yeah, that's hard. I, oh, I, I don't know, man. I, oh, okay. So, one had to go and I could live without one forever. I, don't hate me for saying this. I think I would have to let DL let, let him go. We don't hate you, Phil. Okay. No, not at all. Again, I'm rolling with Christina on this one. And it it wasn't like, it's just an easy choice either. Because I even think about like, Cause what was the movie that Dio was in? Was it was it Brothers? For, no, it wasn't Four Brothers. What was it called? I know what you're talking about. I feel like he was yeah. in. He's been in a few like movies and sitcoms and different things, and yeah. and and can and, and he he's had his hand in some things too. So it's it's like I'm not letting him go just because of like. No. Yeah. But yeah, but I, like you said, Bernie is that's a no brainer. Like he. So yeah, keep it short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it's DL for me too. I'm going to have to agree with y'all. I feel like this is the first time we've ever done like a round where everybody agrees on everything. I'm with y'all. Sorry, DL. Love you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to eliminate. I'm going to. I'm going to eliminate him for two reasons. I, I'm. A, I'm going to eliminate him just just based off of comedy. Although I think he's a great comedian. He's put out a lot of great work. Standing next to these guys, he's probably. At, the bottom for me sorry and then <laughs> also it was like if i'm not getting rid of bernie mac ever it's like between cedric and steve well if i got rid of one of them i'd have to get rid of the other person you can't because on the steve harvey show cedric the entertainer was on the steve harvey show so so sorry and family feud come on that's yes, you, <laughs> yes. that's family you feud for me right. yeah um, yeah, you're right. So and sorry. you think about the show. Okay. Yeah, because I was gonna go. I was gonna take it. I know, I know, rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. I know we gotta keep this short yeah. and sweet, but mm-hmm. this could be a whole clubhouse convo. We need to have yeah. we need to put this on Clubhouse for sure. Right. We should, you know. Yeah, you This could go for hours. <laughs> Are you on Clubhouse, Christina? I, I sure am. Oh, we, oh okay. I'm looking, I'm looking you up as soon as we get out. No, thank you for playing with us. That was fun. I didn't realize that that was going to be so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Terry throw in a she'll throw in some some wrenches in in there sometimes. I'm like, really? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, all right. So we actually want to hear more about you and all the great work that you're doing. Can you just tell us and our listeners a little bit about you? How would your friends and relatives describe you? That's a good question. So I'm a very bubbly personality type of person, a natural cheerleader. I, I think one of the things that I'm always doing is hyping other people up because I tend to find the qualities and the strengths in people that sometimes they forget are there. So yeah, I'm, I'm usually that person that's kind of like, oh, you're crying. Come here. What's up? Let's, let's, let's talk. So, and of course, you know, I'm a mom. I have my two boys that uh, probably hear them in the background, uh, seven and four, and they're, they're, they keep me, they keep me young. They keep me active. And then I have my husband who is my high school sweetheart. We've been married since high school. We, you know, 
I, I, I fed him once and he actually lies. He fed me and I never left. But yeah, so we've been married for 10 years, been dating for 16 and it's been a, a journey. So for anybody who knows me, you know, these are the staples of my life. I'm a very positive, happy-go-lucky person and my family is my my nuclear circle. Yes, I definitely feel that you radiate that kind of joy. And yeah, come on, Black love. Can we? Yes. Yes. Seriously. First of all, I love the fact that you like, he fed you. That's something we got in common. I just love my husband. That's right. He can cook. And I was like, you cook? And it tastes good? Sold. It's a wrap. Sold. Absolutely. (laughs) No, I love that. You're a boy mom. That's something that we don't have in common, We appreciate you. You're raising two young kings. So yes. big up to you for that. Definitely. Yeah. But- and, you know, to kind of explain a little bit as well in, in terms of what got me into politics, it was my boys. I was there and I was really just the words can't even come to mind of uh, just everything that's been happening. And the fact that I'm a boy mom, it puts me in a different place and a different frame of, of mind because I think of all these women who've lost their sons due to, you know, just police brutality or or gun violence or whatnot. And, you know, for me, the thing that triggered me was Trayvon Martin, seeing that young boy, he was 14 years old for wearing a hoodie and for being in the quote unquote wrong neighborhood, because somebody thought he was in the wrong neighborhood that broke my heart. And, and, you know, break my heart is an understatement. It, it broke my heart, but it also fired me up. It angered me to the point that I said enough. And that's really when I made the decision to run for office, because I said, I'm raising you know, this young boy, I was pregnant with my second boy at the time. And I said, I can't let my boys come into a world where if they're walking through a certain neighborhood, that they're going to be automatically categorized as this boy doesn't belong here. He must be here to steal, rob or, or something. If they're wearing a hoodie, if, if automatically they're a criminal. They're, no, I said, I can't live in a world that like that. And I can't bring my boys up in that type of world. So that's really what pushed me into politics. Yeah, I was going to ask you if if politics was something that had always you had always really been exposed to. But but before you answer that, the, just something that you said about the whole Trayvon Martin thing and kind of pushing you in, in deeper in or into politics, I should say, is that while it broke your heart, it also fired you up. And I was just thinking, I was like, that's the beautiful thing about democracy, especially in our country that we are we are literally fighting for right now. The idea of being able to Like if we see something that we don't like that's happening within our borders and and beyond, but when we see something here that we don't like and that we don't approve of, that we can say, hey, 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 and put and and put ourselves in a position to to seek to make change. So I love that, you know, yes, it's heartbreaking and it, you know, it does something to all of us, but it also lit a fire under you like so many of us seeing the things that have been happening in our country since its inception, but, you know, really when it really becomes extremely personal for you raising sons. So yes. Had politics always been something that was talked about or that you grew up understanding? No, (laughs) absolutely not. And I came from a very, you know, Christian, just Baptist household. We went to church five days a week and twice on Sundays. (laughs) So politics was just not it, right? I was supposed to be a doctor. I went to, (laughs) I went to grad school undergrad and grad school with the intention of going to uh, medical school. And then when I wrapped up my last year of graduate school and I was pregnant with my first son, that's when I really made that decision that I don't want to go down this path anymore. Cause one, I didn't want to be in school for 10 more years and go into that much more student loan debt, you know? So I said, let me 
just reshift. And so I started teaching. I taught at the uh, college university level for six years and I thoroughly loved and enjoyed that. And while I was doing that, I said, let me just get involved in my community. So I was helping, you know, other campaigns, knocking on doors, really helping people understand their rights and take advantage of those rights and just participate in the democratic process of voting, um, understanding who they're voting for, what these people do, why they, you know, are here, what's a city commissioner, what's a mayor, what's a state representative, you know, what's a congressperson, what do these people do at the different levels of government? So that was really kind of my thing. I've always kind of taken an educational approach to everything. So it started with that. And then it kind of gravitated towards, well, you should run, you know, all these things, you you know, all these people, you know, you're, you're smart, why don't you run? And I think as women, we automatically jump to that. Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm just here to be a support, you know, supportive and, and help out and, and whatnot. And I immediately counted myself out. And it took a couple more times of people saying, no, 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 you should run. You're just as smart, if not smarter than these people, you need to put your name in the hat. And so I, I did. And it just, it wasn't planned at all. I always say, you know, politics fell into my lap. I didn't go looking for politics. It came to me. And I think that's also why my approach to how I govern and how I lead is different because I come from an educational background. I come from a, a medical background. I don't, I'm not a poli sci major. I didn't, I'm not a lawyer. Not that these individuals don't come into politics from a, a, a different, you know, from a positive point of view. It's just that my background and my world reference, my frame of mind helps me look at things differently. And so my community is, you know, I, I feel their pain when they're suffering, when financially they're struggling, you know, when you talk about affordable housing, all the different things that I've championed and pushed, uh, all these things, I see them from a different lens because I've either lived it personally or I empathize. And so I make these decisions not lightly. And I try to make sure that the people I represent and serve, they know that their best interests are at heart and at mind when I make decisions as an elected official. I love that. I love that. Were you about to say something, Darian? The only thing I was just going to say was that it's one thing to read about you on paper. It's another thing to have a conversation with you. Yes. Yeah. And I get it. I get it just that much more. That's how yes. I say, Yana. Yeah. So you shared kind of like, you know, what sparked the, the, the journey and, you know, and getting that spark to you to run. Can you share a little bit about that that experience, that journey actually in running? I know you were pregnant with your second son. You were 27. So... <laughs> all these dynamics. Can you share a little bit about that? Right. And I, I think the funny part about it is that ex- that's exactly why, because <laughs> it wasn't planned. That's how I ended up being, you know, <laughs> being pregnant. That's how it, it just, all those things came together at once. And, you know, one thing I'll say from that experience and for anybody who's listening, who's considering running for office or who's just looking into maybe going into a different path in their lives, even if it's not politics, the timing will never be right right? The timing will never be right. You cannot make everything, all the lights can't be green on your way to work, right? It, it just, you have to just jump in when the opportunity presents itself, even if you don't feel ready, even if you don't feel qualified, you just got to do it. And so I did. My motto for life is do it afraid. And I did. I did it afraid. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was signing up for. <laughs> I mean, I knew that I wanted to serve my community. I knew that I wanted to lead and be a voice at the table. One, because the commission that I sit on, I was the only woman at the time that was running. I'm still the only woman serving after five years. And that's unfortunate. Why? Because the decisions, the laws that are made, 
they, you know, they dictate how we live. They dictate what we're allowed to do, what laws we have to follow and abide by. And so, especially as women, if we don't have a seat at the table, what are we doing, right? We're we're doing ourselves a disservice. So we have to be more willing to just jump in, in all of the imperfection and just do it afraid. And so that's what happened. You know, I was pregnant, but I didn't let that stop me. I said, let me do it anyway. And so I, I ran and there's a joke that I always tell because it's true. I would knock at certain people's doors and they would open the door, especially if it was a guy. And they would look at me and look at my belly and look at me and look at my belly. And I'd have to instantly be like, no, 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 relax. It's not yours. <laughs> I'm not here for that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> here for that but I do need your support in another way I need you to vote for me (laughs) and so I think I garnered a lot of sympathy votes because of the belly (laughs) but uh it definitely helped baby boy was on the campaign trail too (laughs) you gotta use what you got to get what you want that's all I'm saying that's right that's right we had so you know yeah yeah I was gonna say that you know for for that campaign running it, it was very stressful. You know, just being pregnant is already one challenge, but adding a campaign, adding people talking about you, adding your face being put in the front page of the newspaper for things that are lies, just blatant lies, just because people see you as a threat and they want to come at you. It was difficult. And so I learned a lot and all of that translated itself into how now I lead the organization that I've I've kicked off, which is political. And it's really to support you know, individuals who want to get into politics, who don't know what they don't know, who are really looking for that support and that training and who want to make something better of their community. And they don't know if they're the right person, but they feel like, well, who else is going to do it if not me? And so we really just specialize in helping equip and just give these people all the tools that they need to succeed. So when I ran, I, you know, was 27 years old. I was pregnant with my second son. I really had a lot to figure out, but I had good people in my corner, good people who had my back and who just, you know, pushed me up and hyped me up. And I was able to buy their confidence prior to me having it for myself. I wasn't confident. I didn't know if I could do it, but these people were like, you got this, Christina, you're smart enough. And funny enough, once I, you know, ran through the campaign and I, the election was March 15th. I took the oath of office March 23rd. I gave birth April 8th and I was sitting on the dais by April 12th. Four days later, I was literally, literally sitting on the dais making r- rules and laws and decisions for my community because that's why they elected me. And so I said, I'm not going to let anything stop me from being there on day one. And so I was. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I think we said this in our previous episode, Terry, and that, thinking what you're you know, thinking. Beyonce, you know, we birth the children and get back to business. That's like right. That's right. Beyonce <laughs> is my, Beyonce is my girl. And oh. I love that song when she says that, because that was me. That was me. <laughs> Literally. Oh my goodness. Okay. First of all, you said something that, that you said you, you used to kind of fuel you to kind of really step into this political role was just do it afraid. And I was like, that is literally the definition of courage, right? It's never, people always think courage is being, being brave and like, you're not afraid and you can just, I know I can do all these things. And it really is pushing past your fear to be able to step into doing something that either others probably counted you out to do, or even a lot of times yourself, 
pushing past your own fear. So I love that. Do it afraid. I, I might get that tattooed on me somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Anywho. <I'm> for sure. <laughs> Let's talk about Politicom and which is your organi- organization that you started. You you have a personal mission to help 1,000 candidates candidate, excuse me, win their races within 2021, or I'm not sure the, the entire duration, but can you tell us a little bit about that and your what sparked that particular mission and how is that going? Definitely. So we officially launched on Inauguration Day, and that was intentional as well, because the fact that we, for the first time, had a Black woman, and let's just claim it and own it and call it what it is. She is a Black woman who is now sitting in the vice president's office and doing the damn thing. I am so proud of that. And I'm so proud of her. And it motivated me to say, okay, from the highest seat in the land to all of the local seats all across the country, city commission, city council, you know, county commission, school board, uh, soil, you know, water, whatever thing you want to get into, you want to run for governor, you want to run for, you know, we need to do a better job of making sure that we not only tell people, especially women, we not only tell them to run, but then we equip them and support them in the process. And so really that's where Politicom specializes and where we not only teach you. So I have a, a six hour masterclass that I teach where I teach individuals how to run for elected office and win. There's a difference between just running for office, right? There's a strategy to winning. So I teach all of that. And so when I started teaching that, I really used it as a way to hone and and, and craft the process because a lot of people have, there's so many, there's so much advice out there and it's a lot of noise that's coming at people. And it's like, how do I actually turn that into an executable, you know, actual tangible things. And so that's what this class is. So from that, you go from teaching people, teaching somebody how to fish to now supporting them in their process of doing the job. So once you're campaigning or once you actually run a campaign and you win, now what, right? And there's no manual, there's no manuscript, there's no how to to, to teach you how to be a good elected official or to teach you how to be a good government uh, public servant. You just kind of usually have to figure it out. And there's about a good six to eight month learning curve for a new person who's just entering politics. Having a coach working with Politicom takes that six to eight month uh, learning curve and brings it down to about six to eight weeks. So you get to the point where the promises that you've made when you were on the campaign trail you can have a way to actually execute that and put it into action. And, you know, a a lot of people, especially in the Black community, we look at politicians, they come to us, they come to our churches, they pander our votes, and then once they win, we never see them again. And the promises that they made to us, they never carry them out. And so I want to change that narrative where when we put our faith behind somebody, we can then know that that person got into the office and they started working for us right away. And so you want to run for office in your community. You want to help your community be better. You want to be a voice of change. You know, let's do it the right way, right? And so Politicom is here to to support you to do all that. Because I said, never again will I just tell somebody, oh, go and run for office. And then I give them no tools to actually successfully do it. So, So that's what I had to learn for me, you know, having a good team of people around me who had my back unconditionally, no matter what was was a big difference between whether, you know, of me actually being able to be successful or not. Is this just a local initiative or is, are you providing this support for the entire country? 
Yeah, this this platform is nationwide. We have clients everywhere from New York to California to Florida. We work with you at any branch or, or level of government that you're interested in. And the beautiful part is that when you're running um, for, for office and you get a coach, you'll have a coach who's run for office in that particular area that you're choosing to run in. So if you're running at the municipal or city level, you'll have a municipal or, or city level coach. If you're running at the county, you'll have a county level coach. If you're running at the state level, you'll have a state level coach. If you're running at the federal level, you'll have a federal level coach. So these individuals have been there. They've done it. They've traversed the landmines. They've made it on through to the other side. And now they're going to help you, you know, walk through that journey and, and make sure that you don't step on any of the bombs that people, you know, the haters already have lined up and waiting for you. You know, we, we have to make sure that if we want more people of color, more, you know, more black people in office, that we make the road simpler for them to walk across. So that's what we're here for. And I'm just excited. I'm excited to see that more people like and if nothing else, we can thank 45 for that, right? That's one thing that he did. He woke people up, he opened people's eyes, and people said, enough, right? And so we see a lot bigger trend of people, women especially. Come on, ladies, let's do it. I see more women getting into politics. I see more women coming into the leadership roles that they've always deserved to be in, but either society or ourselves, you know, just automatically counted us out. And I'm excited to see that trend happening. And we're here to support you in that mission. Yes, I love that. I love that. I'm just going to formally announce on the show, you guys. Yes! I am am entering my name in the hat for the U.S. Senate candidacy for the Let me stop. Don't for the state of Texas. I'm just saying, I'm going to need some coaching. I'm going to need a, oh no, but I don't know. If if God is leading me there, Lord. (laughs) <laughs> he really don't have to shake me because, yeah. We got to do it afraid. Woo. Yeah. And can I say something? <laughs> you know, I, the the power of a Black woman is unprecedented. And I, I, I think for a very long time, we've been told as Black women to stay in a certain circle. And mm-hmm. so we've kept ourselves low for for the men in our lives because of our kids, because of our professions, because of society. We've kept ourselves low. and. I don't know if you've noticed it, but I've noticed it. I've been seeing this black girl magic is real, right? Mm-hmm. The, the women who have been stepping up and stepping out. Let's just, let's look at these black women who have just been doing amazing things. Look at Viola Davis. Look at, you know, Cicely Tyson. And unfortunately we just lost her, you know, God rest her soul. But she was a pioneer since the seventies doing amazing work. And she was a beautiful, brilliant black woman. You know, let's, let's, let's look at what happened in Georgia where it was Stacey Abrams. You know, when, when black women say enough, be ready, be ready. Cause the mic is about to drop and things are about to change. And yeah. so for me, that's the thing that like, that motivates me and pushes me and, and, I know 2021 is going to be an epic year because we're going to see so many Black women stepping up into leadership and saying, enough of giving my power to others. I'm going to take the power for myself. Yeah, I'm here for it. I'm yes. here for it. Are y'all here for it? Because I'm here it's for it. Today. Yes, ma'am. We're going to run. And I'm talking about run up and down the street because <laughs> I'm excited about this conversation. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just keep seeing the Jill Scott gif where she's sitting, I think she's sitting in a car and she's like, that's what I'm talking about. Yes. 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 Oh, oh gosh, this is all the things. Okay. Mm. Yes. 
So for those interested in entering into politics, you developed a method called the future method. Can you share a little bit about this and how you utilize it? I I, I love how you guys have done your your homework on me. I love it. (laughs) It's beautiful. Again, another reason why Black women deserve to rule the world because we just are too smart. We're too smart. So when it comes to the future method, it is the six-part masterclass that I teach. And each letter of future stands for a step that you should be taking if if you're gearing up to run for office. F, we focus on fundraising. So that is the first class that we we target because I know that usually that's the thing that scares people away from politics. They don't know how to raise money. They're afraid to ask for money. So they're like, "I, I can't do this. I'm out. So if we can help people get over that initial fear. So on day one, when you take this masterclass, you're going to learn the art of fundraising. You're going to learn how to get over that fear and turn it into a skill. Once you turn fundraising into a skill, it's a wrap. No one can come at you. So fundraising is F. Uh, U stands for understanding yourself. So we take a deep dive into who you are. We really talk about all of that and how you can rebrand yourself even with past mistakes, you, you've had, you know, run-ins with the law, you've had issues with your personal life, you know, you're, you're, all your business is out on the street. You can still take that and convert that narrative into why you should be elected to office. I promise you, there's nothing bad that you've done that cannot be rewritten to make you shine in a positive light. So that's what we help you understand, help you understand yourself. Then we go into T, how you build trust and rapport with your community and with the people who you're going to be asking to vote and support you. We go into the second U, which is understanding your community, who the people are, what the message is that you need to relay that will connect and resonate with the people that you want to support you. R is recruiting help. Who do you need on your team to actually win, right? Whether they're volunteers or whether they're paid, we talk about how to find these people, where to find them and how to get them on your team to make your team a winning team. And last but not least, we cover E, which is election day. So we not only talk about election day, but we talk about every single step that you need to take from day one that you say, I think I want to run here all the way till that final day of election day, everything you need to do from that point to that final day to win your campaign. So that is the future method. And we go in, we go in. I love that. And can I just ask that last you understanding community, can y'all come um, coach some of these current people that's in office? Because I don't, I think that's a, 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 I think that's a step that they missed. And I think they need to go back and sit in class and take notes because that, you know why, because they don't come from these communities that are being affected by the laws that they you know, invoke and all these different things. I'm, I don't know political jargon, but y'all know what I'm trying to say. But sometimes, but it's also part of that too is the want to understand a community. You have to have is well, and that's what I'm saying. They're not a part of it, so they yeah, they don't want they don't want to know. They, don't care. they just want their vote, but they don't want anything for. Let I me mean, okay. Sorry, power. They really want the power. <laughs> They're after the power. Yes. That's what it is. They're not. For you the have power. to, if you're going to run and you're going to ask for these individuals to support you and to vote for you, you have to know what's important to them. And so when we go into understanding your community, it's, it's all about taking, analyzing your community, seeing what the needs, the issues, the problems are, and putting those issues and, and needs into a solution, right? If you're running for office, the reason you're asking people to vote for you is because you're saying you are the best solution to the problem that's currently happening. And so if you don't even know your community, you don't even know the problems, why should I vote for you? 
So that is something that, you know, and, and if we kind of take this topic more broad, that is the power also within the Black and, and our brown communities that we need to put back in the hands of the people where when they understand that really they wield the power, not the politicians, not the, you know, police or, or whoever else is quote unquote wielding that power. When they understand that really they're the ones that wield the power. And if they know how to use that power, they can put or replace anybody into elected office that they want. That's when the game changes. Love that. Let's shift gears just a, just a tiny bit, just a tiny bit. One thing that Yana and I love about what you're doing at Politicom is that you, y'all have a team of licensed, trained, and experienced mental health professionals or specialists on your staff, leading the charge to make sure that we are, you're helping these individuals who are entering the political life. What, why was it important for, for your organization to include this dynamic? And why should mental health and politics be something that's openly discussed? Especially when, you know, when we're talking about leaders specifically in our communities and things of that nature. That's a beautiful question, Terry. And I'll answer it from my personal experience. I'll start with that and then I'll broaden it out to why it's needed in, in a larger scheme of things as well. Like I said, when I ran for office, I was 27. I am a young mother. I have two kids that are seven and four. I did not, you know, come into politics with all this background knowledge of what politics is and what I would have to sacrifice. And so 2020 was the year, I think, of reckoning for so many people. And so in 2020, I went from, you know, having all the pieces of my life separated out in different, you know, silos to everything being under one roof. I was now a stay-at-home mom. I was a politician. I was an employee. You know, I was a CEO of a nonprofit. I was a wife, you know, a housewife now, cleaning, cooking, <laughs> doing everything. And everything came at me at once in 2020. And I'm pretty sure many people can relate because just all the roles were, got blurred, right? All the lines got blurred in terms of who you are, what you do, because it was all in one place. Everybody was in isolation and then in quarantine. And so my mental health suffered because all of a sudden I was wearing all these hats and all at the same time, and I didn't know how to balance it all. And I was having anxiety and panic attacks and and, and my mental health was, and I, and I didn't even know what was wrong with me. I, I have a, a, a background in, in, in medicine and in healthcare. So I thought that 31 years of age, I must be having a heart attack. When I had my first panic attack, I thought I was having a heart attack. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Something's wrong with me. And so I called a friend who is a mental health professional and I, and I told her what, what was going on and, and my heart's beating and my pulse is racing and my palms are sweaty and I can't get it together. And she helped talk me off the, the, the mental ledge that I was on of just feeling like I can't control the chaos around me. And that's when I realized mental health was not just a, a word, a, a catchy phrase to use or something that everybody's talking about now. Oh yeah, I have my therapist. It wasn't just cool anymore. It was a necessity. And when I was able to make that realization, everything started making sense again. And I was able to handle and control and piece out the parts of my life that were just com in complete shambles at that point. And so when Politicom came to mind and I started really developing the idea, I said, I refuse to build a company that will teach people how to run for office, that will coach and support them as they're in office or, or in elected positions or in uh, government leadership positions and not include a mental health piece. Why? Because 
the question that really kind of came to me when I was building this company was the people whose job it is to help everybody, who's there to help them? And when you think about that, when you think about that question of how much pressure was on these people who are in government last year, you know, the country's suffering, people are losing jobs left and right, unemployment rate is up to, through the roof, education is in shambles, kids don't have access to the internet. There was so much pressure on people who were in these positions of leadership because they were expected to bring a solution to the problem, right? That's what government is here for. Government is meant to solve the problems of the people. And government failed. I think I can honestly say that. And I think people can agree with me when I say that. You know, the 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 pandemic did not help in terms of, you know, financially being able to help people who lost their job. All the unemployment websites were down. People couldn't find, uh, you know, unemployment resources education was suffering, kids weren't going to school and they were sliding back and unable to get access to the internet to do school virtually. Everything was in shambles and the government just was like, oops, (laughs) they didn't have it together. But that also put a a lot of pressure on those people who were in government because we, I, I can speak for myself, I felt like I was failing. I felt like I was failing the people who would put their trust in me to lead them. And that took a toll on me personally. And so I know it took a toll on so many other people too, who who actually are here for the right reasons, who care about their communities. And when they felt like their communities were suffering and dying, especially in the Black community, how many people we lost to COVID and there was nothing we could do. We can't even attend somebody's funeral after they've passed away because of COVID. It just took a huge mental toll. And I said, I need to create something that will not only help equip, you know, and put people into positions of, of leadership and power, but to also maintain them while they're there and to not let it take a huge toll where they feel that they can't actually do the job and do it from a place of authenticity and and just being real and genuine. So that's where the mental health piece comes into play. And we, you know, we know that in the world that we live in, it's not easy. And in politics, especially, you know, people forget that you're human and you have a family, you have a life, you have so many things that are on your plate that you're balancing. But when people have problems, and you're the commissioner, or you're the governor, or you're whoever, they're not worried about your problems at the moment. They're worried about their problems. They need you to solve their problems. And it's not their responsibility to know all the things that are going on in your life. You just have to solve their problem. So I said, we need to support these people uh, in a better way. So mental health is a piece that now more people are being willing to talk about and be open about. And I said, we need to bring it into politics and to bring it on a global scale. If we look at just what happened with 45 and how he brought so much chaos to this country and how many people he affected by his inability to lead, he just was a terrible leader. Let's, let's call it what it is. And because of that, right, if we look at the person with the highest seat of land causing a, a concurrent chaos all throughout um, the country, not even just the country, the world as a whole. And I said, if we can make better leaders who actually are of sound mind and can make decisions because they care about the people that they're leading, we will have a better society as a whole. So Politicom is on a larger mission instead of just, you know, supporting leaders and supporting, you know, those people who are in power. It really is meant to support the smallest person at the bottom of the totem pole, because if the people who are in leadership have it together and they are okay that leadership then disseminates down into every single person at every lower branch of, 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 you know, of power and of leadership that needs that person to be at their best. And if the person is who's leading is at their best, everybody else wins. Gosh, 
That is, wow. I, I kept thinking, I kept seeing a bridge in my head while you were talking. And I was like, people always talk about building bridges. And I was like, Christina, your organization, Politicom, the things that you, you are that bridge. You are literally that bridge between politics and the people. And I've never seen anything like it ever in my life. I, I, I can't even find the words. Yes, I was just gonna say it's that's everything you said. I was like, that's so beautiful. That's amazing. Yes, all the things. Yes, come on, black women, leading the truth. I said I wasn't gonna cry today, so I'm not gonna cry today. But you, you, you about I'm about one step. I'm about one step away. So, oh gosh, this this conversation. So we could use some tears from you this season. It's totally okay. <laughs> No, I shared my tears last night for Sicily because, you know, that one, yeah. we weren't expecting that. Oh, my gosh. This. I knew this was going to be a great conversation, but you touched you touched us, you know, in, a, in such a beautiful way. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for being so transparent in your experience, in your journey. And thanks for answering the call. Not even just for your community, but you're answering the call for us all and leading the charge in something that is so needed and so necessary. So thank you for doing this. And we can't wait to see all the phenomenal things that's going to, you know, blossom from the seeds that you're planting in this way. Oh, gosh. Okay. So there's a few more questions, though, before we wrap. Usually we ask our guests if there is a word that's powering them in the year. If you could name one word that's guiding you in 2021, what would you say that word would be? Calm. 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 C-A-L-M. Calm. That is the thing that got me through 2020. It is the thing that has gotten me through being in elected office and putting myself under a microscope intentionally as I lead my community. It is part, it is built into the name of my company, Calm. It's all about calm. And, and our, our, you know, our motto is keep calm. It's just politics, right? We're, we're here to remind people that at the end of the day, this is just a game. And it, it's all about learning how to play the game. And once you can play the game, then you can use the skills that you've acquired and that you've learned to really turn that game into a positive thing for your community, for your family, and for the future. It is all about just keeping calm and remembering that, you know, you're here for a reason and don't let the chaos deter you. Don't let the haters bring you down. Uh, they're going to be here. We can't get rid of them, but we have a bigger calling and a bigger mission. And staying in that line of thought and that frame of mind is, is the thing that I think will carry us through and has gotten us to this point already, right? <laughs> if you've made it through COVID, if you've made it through 45's presidency, you are already an overcomer. <laughs> and so going forward, it's it's just, it's up from here. That's all I can say. That was a word. That was a word specifically for me. Y'all know I've been, I've been struggling with learning to keep calm about stuff. <laughs> she laughed. <laughs> So thank you. I love that. Calm. I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it up here on this forehead right here. So when I go look in the mirror, I see it. Thank you for that. I want So the question is, do you have any projects or, or new works for 2021? But I mean, you just released. I mean, we, we're, we're talking about your baby right now. 
political conversation more than the baby. But is there anything else that you will be incorporating or getting into in 2021? Yeah, for sure. So the company officially launched uh, on Inauguration Day, January 20th. But the the phase two of the company will be launching on in May in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month. That's when the mental health division will officially launch. So it's it's here now. It's, it's kind of happening a low key, but we're going to be doing just a huge launch of lots of partnerships with different organizations, really just publicizing it and, and promoting this just mindset into making sure that people understand that politics and mental health is not a, there's not a divide. It, it, it's, it's a one and the same thing. So that's what we're looking forward to in 2021. We are just really pushing individuals who are interested in politics, whether you want it, whether you know that you want to run right now, or it may be just something that's in your head and you're thinking about it later, sign up for the Future Method course, visit our website, politicalm.com. And register for, register for that. If you're somebody who's already elected, already in office, you know, look to us for receiving coaching and and supporting services in that sense. And then once we officially launch the mental health division in May, reach out to us when you need that. It, it's nothing to be ashamed of to say it, it's too much. There's too much on my plate right now, and I can't handle it. And just talking to somebody and kind of just offloading some of that. There's nothing wrong with that. And so we want to. We want to remove that stigma. We want to remove that shame of feeling like if you don't have it all together, something's wrong with you. No, getting help is what helps you have it all together. And I'm a much better person now that I've gone through, you know, having a a, a resource and a mental health therapist to really just kind of talk to and get all these, you know, anxieties, frustrations, pain points, history that's happened that I didn't even realize I was still reacting to it. It's, it's made me a, a better mom. It's made me a better politician. It's made me a better wife. And it's made me a better person altogether. So having your life balanced in every sense just makes you better altogether. So that is my call to you uh, who's, who's listening right now. 2021 is your year. So take advantage of it and let's do it together. Yes, yes, yes. Just one final question. I know you plugged the website. Was there any other ways that our listeners, anyone can plug into your work and all the great things that Politicom is doing. Find us everywhere. IG, Twitter, uh, Facebook, just search Politicom. And so it's literally the word political and add M to the end. That's how you spell it. Very easy. So find us everywhere. We're on Clubhouse. I host the Clubhouse room every Monday at 9 p.m. where we're talking about everything from politics and mental health and everything in between. So uh, check us out there and just connect, right? DM me. I'm always here to support and and lend a a help, a helping hand. So, you know, my success is not my own. It's through the fact that I've helped so many others. That's why I'm successful. So, you know, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make 2021 the best year yet. Yes. And that's a dope name, by the way. Politicom, like you, that, that, that is genius. Can you put on a t-shirt? I don't know if you already have t-shirts, but I want a t-shirt with it. For real. And I need to say, keep calm. It's just politics. Yeah. Come on, Merch. She has a merch store that she's going to be opening soon. So grab you a a Politicom t-shirt when it, when she. Let's (laughs) go. I love it. Love well, it, lady. Thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you for this. This has definitely been a joy. Gosh, all the things. I wish we could talk more, but I know we have to go. But I'm like looking at the clock. I'm like, oh, we just know that we 
we're tapped in and we'll be talking soon. But yes, thank you so much for joining us and sharing today. We so appreciate you. I don't have anything else. No, I just want to, I also just want to extend my gratitude and just say thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the work that you're doing. We are rooting you on all the way here in Texas and we will be spreading the good news uh, about Politicom and Christina Romulus. And oh my gosh, we are, we stand you like, like we, you're a superhero. You are a superhero. Like, you're a hero. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies, and thank you for this platform. And, and like I said, there's there's a hidden power that us as Black women that we have that I think we're we're just getting to a point that we're tapping into it. And there's so much more that's to come. So I'm really grateful that you all have this platform to highlight and really showcase what's happening in in the Black community and just how many more of us are changing the narrative from what used to be considered normal for a Black woman and what now can be rebranded and reframed as the new normal. Because, you know, we're we're constantly reinventing ourselves and and I love it. So thank you for this platform. Thank you for what you guys are doing. I love y'all. Keep it up and and just y'all are the best. Y'all are the best. Thank thank you. you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. We appreciate that. And know that we are here to support anyway. So you're always welcome back. I don't know. We didn't have to formally say that, but we're saying (laughs) welcome back. Mm -hmm. Well, if there is nothing else until next time, melanate on that. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our chat today. Keep the conversation going by heading to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leaving us a review. Have a story of your own to share? Email us at info at melanatedconversations.com or connect with us on social media at Melanated Conversations. Till next time, keep raising your voice. voice.